0: Father, we do so look forward to that day when we will be with you forever. We thank you that it is because of your son Jesus that we have our sins forgiven and we have eternal life. And Father, yet we are still here on this earth and you have your desires laid forth in your word for us as we are here until we come to see you. I pray as we look into your word today that you will enable us to understand what you intended. That you will work in our hearts that which is pleasing in your sight. We ask you to bless your word as it goes out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you you are a disciple. You know, in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus, after he had risen from the dead, he shared with his disciples, he said, All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. And then he says, how? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. We are, first of all, there's the affirmation that one is saved through baptism, that external uh, proclamation of what has happened on the inside through Christ. And then, he said, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. A disciple is one who places his, uh, his himself and submits to the authority of someone else. And if you come to Jesus Christ, we voluntarily do that because we were slaves to sin and he set us free if the son has set you free you are free indeed and he has set us free and now we are enslaved to god a good god and he has commanded us to obey to learn to obey all that he has done and all that he has said now the interesting thing is it seems like a lot of christians or those who name the name of christ don't seem to be learning to obey all that he has said There's so much rampant sin in the body of Christ. And what do I mean by that? We live in a Christian culture that is upside down. The evangelical church, by and large, seems to be doing things backwards. And you say, what do I mean? I say in the most basic and simple way of a relationship with Jesus, it seems to be upside down. The church, those who have speaking gifts, should be speaking the word of God rather than giving man's wisdom. Those who are serving Christ should be serving by the strength that he supplies rather than one's own strength. And you see, we're all tempted to go back to the mode that we were before we were saved, to to think the way we used to think. We will be conformed to this world if we are not transformed. And so God gives us his word that we might learn, obviously, to obey him and know exactly what he wants. He wants. Now, today we're coming to a passage in our study of 1 Peter, which is amazing. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11, and would you turn there? It's amazing because it doesn't leave us in the dark concerning God's absolute requirements for the body of Christ on how we are to serve. And there may be some of you here today who've never heard this, and, and hopefully your heart will respond to then obey from this point and desire to be obedient to the Lord. There may be some who should have heard this but haven't, and you'll have to acknowledge, hey, I haven't. I haven't responded. I haven't done what you've said in your word. And there are some of us who need to be taught this, who need to be taught this. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11. Now, I'm going to abbreviate the context on this. Uh, you can listen to last week's message for the full context of 1 Peter. Uh, we have a, a longer message here. Actually, we have lunch right afterwards, so if we're a little late, you got lunch. But uh, uh, Peter is writing to those in Asia Minor. Uh, they are believers, they are, pers- they are being persecuted, they are suffering, they are about to experience a fiery ordeal that is coming upon them for their testing. And Peter is encouraging them in the midst of that to, to in the context of their great relationship with Jesus Christ, having been born again to a living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to then obey the Lord, walk in a manner worthy, because God is building them up and building us up as a holy temple. He has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are to stay far away or or abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war with our souls. But but we we are then to walk in a manner worthy. We are to walk in the context of a right relationship with Christ. That our behavior, even though we might be slandered or put down or persecuted, would be a venue in which God might use to bring about opportunities for the gospel. You see, Christ is the perfect example. He didn't revile, return, or utter any threats. And the wickedness that man brought upon him, God used in his predetermined plan to bring about our salvation. And so we as believers, we don't live anymore the way we used to live. So we are to, chapter 4, arm ourselves with the same mindset of Christ. You know, we don't do the things we used to do. We don't go with the crowds we used to be in. And therefore, people might malign us and mock us, but... As Peter says, the judge is standing right at the door and they will give an account. And then in chapter 4 he says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. We need to get our relationship right with the Lord. We are on the verge of eternity right now. Christ could come at any time. Uh, We might pass away and be in his presence at any time. We're on the verge of eternity. The end of all things... Is at hand. Therefore, we need to get our thinking right so that we can pray our relationship with Christ right. And we need to be loving one another, as we saw in chapter 4, verse 8, because love covers a multitude of sins. And then we saw the last thing that we are to be doing as believers on this earth. Wonder, what am I to do with my life? Well, we need to do the clear things, and then God will work out those other plans as we submit them to Him, those things that are not clear. And very clearly, we're going to see today that we are to be serving Him. We're to be serving the Lord as those who have been delivered from darkness into light. If you are a true believer, you are a disciple of Christ. We are being taught by his spirit through the word to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. And today is a passage that is so clear and so simple in terms of it's, it's, it, the way it's put together. It's just very clear, but it is so ignored in the body of Christ. And so we need to learn it. And we need to have the Lord work it out in our hearts that Christ would be glorified. And that's my desire, that God would work his word. 1 Peter chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. We're going to be looking at 11 specifically, but kind of to come up to where we've been. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Get your relationship with Christ right. Get your head right. Don't be intoxicated by the things of this world or whatever it might be. Sound judgment, sober spirit, so that you can pray. And then he says, above all, keep, your, keep fervent in your love for one another. Reach out, extend your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. And an example of that, be hospitable without complaint. And then we saw the last two weeks, as each one has received a special gift, Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And then our passage. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I should stop right there. It's such a wonderful passage, right? Tremendous passage. Now we're going to see that what we look at in verse 11 today hinges on what we've looked at in the last two weeks. And so uh, there's a few things I'm going to summarize that are really important to what we'll see today. So if you're wondering about those verse 10 and some of the issues in there, uh, you can certainly grab a CD from the last week or two and that might be helpful to you. But you'll remember we saw last time that we as good stewards are to obey the command by employing our gifts, the gifts that each one has received. Verse 10 in review. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We saw the term special gift, charisma, speaks of that which is given. It is that which is given in the context of grace. It's a grace gift. And we saw that there are four passages in scripture that give us a list of these giftings that these special gifts in scripture uh, We have romans chapter 12. We have first corinthians chapter 12 We have ephesians chapter 4 and we have this summary of this categories here in first peter chapter 4 And we notice it's a special gift that has been given you see uh Paul is saying, or Peter is saying to them, that you're not going to receive it. It's, it's you have, as each one has received, employ it. He's not saying, "Wait till you get it." He's saying, "Have you have received it? Employ it as good stewards." You see, apart from a unique time in Pentecost when God was affirming uh, the salvation moving from Jew to Gentile, apart from that time, every true believer received the Holy Spirit when they believed. We see that in chapter 19 of Acts. Did you receive the Spirit when you believed? Ephesians chapter 1, we see that after listening to the message of your salvation, the gospel of your salvation, uh, you believed and received the Spirit as a pledge. When we received the Spirit, evidently we received a special gifting also to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me ask you this. Do you know how God has gifted you? Do you know how he's gifted you? You know, we saw last time that spiritual gifts are, are not natural talents. You know, when we were born, whether, you know, obviously we weren't saved when we were born, we were born, we were given natural talents, abilities that God gave. There are non-believers that have tremendous natural talents, and they were given at birth, and they were, they were, they were brought forth and matured as one grew up. Same thing with spiritual gifts. We have those gifts, and they, 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 they mature as we begin to function around the body of Christ. Now, if you'll remember these gifts, it's very important, the nature of them, they are grace gifts. As each one has received a special gift employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, the the multifaceted grace of God. Uh, We saw in 1 Corinthians that Paul used the example in chapter 12 of the human body, the different parts being like the different giftings that God gives within the body, all in submission to the head. God has given different gifts to the body of Christ and they work in harmony together in in the context of unity and dependence on the Holy Spirit. And we saw that they were according to God's grace, Ephesians 4, but to each one grace was given, Ephesians 4, 7. Romans uh, 12, 6, we have received gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. The reality is the giftings that we have been given by God is through the context of grace, which is nothing from us, everything from God. As we read in John chapter 15, and we sang in the song, apart from him, we can do nothing. You see, we were saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. We were saved by faith, and we are to walk that way. And I believe, as I shared, one of the reasons that so many Christians never understand how God has gifted them, even though they may be seeking to do so, is because they're never consistently walking in the grace of God. You see, we can do nothing, and our everyday life in Christ should be not one of a a poor beggar going like this, but one who understands our inadequacy. I can't do it, Lord, but I trust you to do it through me. I trust you to work through me. We walk by faith. And if we're not walking in complete dependence every day, if we are independent... Uh, we're never going to experience the reality of those gifts functioning as because they are by his grace they're by his grace the apostle paul realized this and understood this and he shared this the great as some would say the great apostle paul well paul recognized that he was nothing turn to first corinthians chapter 15 i want to just read paul's viewpoint of his gifts first corinthians 15 verse 9 You see, we were saved by grace and we function by grace. We can do nothing apart from relying on Christ. And you see, that's the only way he's glorified. And you see, we are self sufficient in our sinfulness and we need to humble ourselves and repent if necessary and trust and walk by faith. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 9 For I am the least of the apostles, this is Paul speaking who am not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He said he was a chief of sinners because he persecuted the church also. By the way, that's chief sins, by the way, persecuting the church, by the way. But by, notice what he says, verse 10, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. That's the other apostles. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me christ in him by his spirit enabling paul to speak forth he says in romans by god's grace i say to you god's favor his unmerited favor upon us as we rely on him and each one of us has received grace gifts and if we don't walk by faith we're not walking with the lord we're never going to experience the reality of those gifts in our lives uh, as we serve the lord Second Corinthians 3 5 tremendous passage not that we are adequate to consider anything as coming from ourselves But our adequacy is from god i'm not adequate to preach but christ is fully adequate to do that through me Uh, we're not adequate to to walk even the the, the simplest the, do the simplest thing We trust the lord and then he does it through him and then he gets All the glory We need to get this we need to understand this that they are grace gifts And that the walk of faith is we trust Christ. It's the simplicity of a devotion to Christ. Bad guys come along and say, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, rather than trusting in Christ and allowing his word to be manifest in our lives, walking by faith. So spiritual gifts by nature are something we didn't have before we were saved. We have each received a special gift. And notice we know we we saw last time and we looked at it that there are varying gifts. We went through all the different gifts. Uh, the first Two weeks ago, we went through every single gift that we believe in Scripture are in effect right now. And we talked about those gifts, and I'm going to review that. And last week, we went through the sign and miraculous gifts and, and the foundational gifts last week. So I'm not going to go through those this week. You can look back. If you want to know about those gifts and what God says in His Word, uh, we have that uh, back on the table there. But what I want to do is just review... The giftings that we would have that we have today that each one has received one of these or or sometimes multiple amounts Remember in first corinthians chapter 12. We saw first that there was the gift of faith We saw that there was this special ability to believe now You'll notice in all the spiritual gifts. They seem to be something that all of us should be doing right We should be trusting the lord, but there's this extra amount that god seems to give individually different people to do these things for the common good. Obviously, it's the special ability to believe uh, the truth of God from the word of God above and beyond, above and beyond. It's that special ability to do that, and it is used for the edification of the body. If you have the gift of faith, God is going to bring you around people who need to be encouraged. And my wife's holding up her outline. Thank you very much. You do have an outline on the back. It has all the gifts, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Thank you. On the back, it gives a list of that on the back of your outline. It gives all the gifts and that. Um, So you have the gift of faith. And so if you have that gift, God is going to bring you around people to share the word and that trust in Christ to encourage them, obviously, in the same thing. Obviously, in the same thing. The second one we saw was discerning of spirits. The ability to judge. The word meant to judge. To judge the spiritual realities behind what is being said. The spiritual realities. Now, we all are to be discerning. We see that in Scripture. We all are to have our senses trained to discern good news. We should be growing up and discerning. But there's a special ability above for the purpose of the body of Christ. And obviously, it's for protection, as we see. There are those of you who can spot things, spiritually speaking, and then bring the word to bear for the, for the, ble- for, to bless and build up the body of Christ. Then we saw teachers. This is the highest priority gift in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 now. They are are those whom God gives a special ability to teach the Word of God. Teaching is not simply just reading God's Word. Reading God's Word is good, but teaching is, is that which is brought forth through the teaching that God does by His Spirit in us. When someone has a gift of teaching, if you are walking by the Spirit... God's Spirit, through that person, by me of the Word, will teach you. It's a spiritual reality. It's a gift of teaching. Then there is the gift of helps, uh, that idea of laying hold. It's very personal. It's one-on-one. God gives certain people in the body this gifting to come alongside specifically and lay hold of someone to help them. It's a, it's a serving gift. We talked about that. There is in 1 Corinthians, the last one we saw, the gift of administrations. That's what the translation, I don't think that's the best translation. This is the word, kubernetes means the rudder of a ship. It is a spiritual gifting that one leads from behind. There's a directing. You know, the rudder is in the back of the ship, but it moves the whole ship, right? And some in the body of Christ have this gifting for the glory of God. It's something they didn't have before they were saved. Then we saw from Romans chapter 12, the gift of serving. If you serve, serve. There's a, there's a, there's a spiritual gift of, and the word serving, diaconeo means to wait on tables. It just means serving. Now, nonbelievers can serve. You go to the restaurant, you have someone come up to you, and they serve you a plate, right? This is a spiritual gift in a physical reality, god uses the physical in the context of his spirit for the building up and benefit of the body of christ it is a spiritual gift where god enables someone and desire gives them the desire to serve the body of christ now we're all to serve but it's above and beyond it's a spiritual gift and then we saw also there was teaching again that we looked at in first corinthians 12 but it's also in romans then there's this uh Another gift, exhortation or encouragement, para, parakalesis or paraclesis parakaleo. There is a spiritual gift of, of exhortation, the ability to come alongside someone. The word means, means parakaleo, call, para means alongside, to come alongside, to speak to them. And obviously, as we'll see today, the truth of God for their benefit, for the building up. These are not robotic gifts. They are, they are gifts in the context of trusting Jesus in real relationships where we're sharing God's word or serving one another. Uh, and we saw there's a the gift of giving. And if you are to give, it says give liberally. That we kind of probably that's probably not the best translation because you think if someone has a gift of giving, they're supposed to give a lot of money. Well, no, what it says there is with simplicity. You know, if God has given you a gift of giving, a spiritual gift to 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 function within the physical sphere to help with the needs of the body of Christ financially, in a sense, it's a spiritual reality behind that. And he says with simplicity, no strings attached. You, there's no, there should be nothing attached to that. It is, it is with a genuine right motive, and execution. Then we saw leading or ruling. Same, uh, same. Uh, um, Pass it. Same word that's used in terms of uh, elders, first Timothy 5 17, that the elders who rule well or lead. It's the word proistomy, pro in front, istomy stand. There are those who lead by standing in front. There are leaders in the church. I know everybody wants to be a leader, right? You know, everybody wants to drive the car, right? But there's only one steering wheel. And in the body of Christ, there are those who have this gifting that God has put in the body of Christ. They are submitted to the head, and then the body functions together properly. You know, I'm so thankful that, you know, this thumb isn't arguing with my foot, saying I want to do that instead. It just functions, and it submits to, my, to, 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 the, to the head. And so there are differing gifts. And then we saw mercy. It is the special ability to show mercy in the body of Christ. We're all to be merciful to help the helpless all of us but there's a special ability that god gives within the body of christ now remember we saw this last week these are for the common good it's for the body of christ and, and to show mercy to those who are in need and yet with cheerfulness right and then we came to first Ephesians chapter four where we saw there were evangelists gift of evangelists he gave gifts there are those in the body of Christ. We're all to be ready to, to give an account for the hope that we have. We all need to know why. If someone comes to seeing our lives in Christ as we depend on him, as we're persecuted, why we're different, why we have hope. We all need to be ready to do that. And, and yet there is a special gifting above and beyond of evangelists. Evangelist. And it is for the body of Christ. How so? People get brought into the body of Christ through faith in Jesus Christ. If you have that gift, God is going to use you to share the gospel uh, to bring people into his kingdom by saving faith in Jesus Christ. And then we saw pastor-teachers. There's a gift to pastor-teacher, gift to shepherd the flock and teach the flock, to feed the flock. Uh, what did Jesus say to Peter? If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, obey me. And you see, if we're his disciples... God calls us to obey him. And it's not drudgery if you're following Jesus. It's drudgery if you've got sin in your life. If you've got sin in your life, it is a pain and a drudgery to serve Christ. If you're confessing your sin because we all sin, and you're keeping short accounts with God, it is a blessing to obey his word. It is His commandments are not burdensome. And so we have those gifts in scripture and then we have a summary from our passage, which we are going to look at specifically. So our passage, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We are to serve one another. We're commanded to do so. If we're not doing this, we're disobedient. How can I say I'm a disciple of Christ when I'm not obeying Christ? There's so many non-following followers of Jesus out there. There are so many rebellious followers of Jesus. You know, if you tell your child, can you please pick up that dish? And they go, hmm, that's rebellion. You know, or if they do it in a nice way, (laughs) and they walk away and they don't do it, that's rebellion. The reality is, if you have a relationship with Christ... We're called to learn, now learn, there's some learning involved to obey all that he has said. And here it's pretty clear, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another in, uh, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And we saw there is a stewardship. The word steward means like a house steward. Someone who would give an account, someone who was responsible and accountable God has given us gifts, and we are responsible, whether you understand it or not, and we are also accountable for that gifting. And he says that we are to do so as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. We have a stewardship over this grace that God gives us to function in the body of Christ. We have a stewardship over what he does through us if we submit ourselves. And we know that a stewardship is very important in terms of what the Lord shares. The Apostle Paul shares in 1 Corinthians 4. Turn to 1 Corinthians 4. Paul is speaking of his speaking gift as an apostle here, by the way, his, his responsibility to speak forth God's word. He's going to say something here. 1 Corinthians 4. And brothers and sisters, we need to be, have our minds renewed and, and, and we need to be transformed because we default back to our old ways. So quickly, we have a desire to do the right thing and if we're not letting God's word renew our minds, we're not confessing our attitudes and sin, we will default back to this way and we will live in the context of his disciplinary hand in our lives and no joy, okay? Uh, but here, we see there's a stewardship. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man regard us in this manner. Hey, you want to think about us? Think of us this way. As servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In this case, moreover, it is what? It is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. You know, if you you give someone a responsibility to take care of your house and you come back and they didn't take care of it, they weren't trustworthy. They weren't faithful in their responsibility. Now, God is not a mean God or a, a bad God who doesn't tell us and explain what we're to do and how we're to do it. And it's, we're not left in the dark. It's not like we're stewards of something that we have no idea how to do it and what to do. He explains in his word. And he says here, Paul says, moreover, it is required of stewards to be found. You could translate that faithful. And I want to ask you, if you would say, hey, I say, how long have you been a Christian? Oh, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, two years, a year and a half. Are you faithful? Do you know how God has gifted you? Are you functioning in the context of his grace? Are you a good steward of the manifold grace of God? Or are you a bad steward? You know, some just might have to admit we should get convicted by this if we're not. And we confess and praise the Lord. When we realize God's word exposes our sin and we go to God and we say, Lord God, i blew it that's wrong we confess we're forgiven move forward trust the lord rejoice in his forgiveness and start being obedient start being obedient do you realize each one of us has received special gifts and we are commanded to employ it and we are stewards of that gifting now not what i would say but what would god say when go you stand for love were you a good steward or a bad steward. Some people are stewarding things that are not their spiritual gifts. They're leaning on their own understanding the way they do ministry and doing all kinds of stuff, not in obedience to God's word. Now, it doesn't mean we might not do some of those things also, but we have a stewardship specifically with the spiritual gifts that God has given us. So that leads our long review now to our passage, which we'll finish up. In verse 11, where we're going to see the guiding requirements for the giftings that God has given us. We're not not left in the dark. God shows us what the requirements are. Look at verse 11, 1 Peter chapter 4. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things... By the way, he's going to say all things, serving and speaking. That covers it all. Doesn't talk about other types of gifts at this point later in 1 Peter. Serving and speaking. In all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, this verse is fairly clear. And we are responsible in the context of a good God to obey his commands that are not burdensome it's not burdensome if you're walking with the lord it's burdensome if you got sin in your life i'll tell you that right now but if you're willing to confess which we all sin and walk with him it's not burdensome notice there are two categories of grace giftings there are two categories of those things which we are to employ as good stewards one whoever speaks verse 11 middle of verse 11 whoever serves two categories all the gifts in those lists in first corinthians 12 romans 12 ephesians 4 they all fall into these two categories the ones that are focusing right now there are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts in the body of christ and now he is explaining here the guiding requirements for how we serve in these gifts he says if speaking do it this way if serving do it this way this is the way you do it so that in all things god is glorified through christ you see it's all by christ okay so what are the requirements first of all for speaking gifts we're going to see as it is words of god look at verse 11 whoever speaks in the context of spiritual gifts remember that got to read verse 11 it's not just speaking in general It's spiritual gifts right now. It doesn't mean we're robotic and every Christian in the world only speaks God's word. You know, we we talk to one another. We, we, We have, there's context to things. But here, it's speaking of the spiritual gifting. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. You might notice in some of your Bibles the term let him speak is in italics and often the translators will add in something in italics because they believe the Greek implies that and they want to, to, to bring that forth. You see, when you go from one language to another, sometimes it, it can't come across clearly and translators will do that and often it's, it's, it's good and I think it's good here. But you could just translate this here. If anyone speaks as utterances of God, it's pretty straightforward. There's no, there's no mystery here. But maybe there's a mystery about what utterances are, right? Well, this term translated utterances is also translated oracles. You see, uh, as we are gifted, if you have a speaking gift, we are to speak, as we'll see, the utterances of God. And what does he mean by that? Well, we know there are teaching gifts. We know there's a pastor, teacher, evangelist, encouragement, exhortation. We know faith certainly could be speaking God's word to someone also. We know the discerning of spirit. You're probably going to share God's word in relationship to what you've discerned that is wrong or whatever it might be. Gift of mercy could have a speaking element to it. You're coming alongside someone. You're encouraging them in the midst of their helplessness to trust in Jesus Christ. You know, there, there's, there's certainly that element. Whoever speaks. Now, the term translated utterances here, lagia. It speaks of the inspired sayings of God. It it literally means oracles, oracles or utterances. Whoever speaks, they are to do so as the oracles of God. And you say, well, what are the oracles of of God? Now, the New Testament uses this term four times. And we see it uh, in our passage. And then also turn to Acts chapter 7. I want to read a portion here. Acts chapter 7, verse 38. Acts chapter seven thirty eight, and every time this is used, it's in the context of, a, of absolutely clearly referring to the word of God. By the way, Acts seven thirty eight, and this is uh, Stephen's uh, speech. This is the one who was in the congregation of the wilderness together with the angel who was speaking to him on Mount Sinai. And who was with our fathers when he received the living oracles. Speaking of the law that was passed on, specifically. And then go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews 5. The writer of Hebrews is going to say, Hey, I want to talk to you and say a bunch more to you, but you can't take it. Something's wrong. You're, you're spiritually bathed when you should be mature. And he's going to explain something. Hebrews 5, verse 11. concerning him we have much to say that's melchizedek by the way and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing for the, for through this for though by this time you ought to be teachers A certain time come by you should be able to share the word of god you should be able to teach people you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of what the oracles of god that's our word and you have come to need milk not solid food for everyone who partakes of only milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. There's a parallel word of righteousness, right? For he is a babe. But solid food is for the mature because, who because of practice have trained their senses to discern good and evil. And one last passage, turn to Romans chapter 3. Now the Apostle Paul is addressing the sinfulness of mankind, both Jew and Greek. And he's going to address the logical reality if the Jews were God's chosen people, why didn't they respond? Why didn't they believe? Why did they not believe? Something's wrong here. And he's going to address that. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, to what advantage has the Jew? Or what benefit is circumcision? Hey, if they didn't believe and they're in sin too. Notice what he says. Great in every respect. Verse, verse 2, first of all, they were entrusted with the oracles of God tremendous privilege the jews had to have the word of god whether they believed or not same thing with you children who have grown up in a christian home you have a tremendous privilege and some, you may or may not believe but you have a tremendous privilege and responsibility don't harden your heart if you hear his voice you've got the word of god tremendous benefit and blessing so this word legia is used to speak of god's word and it's interesting in psalm 119 in the greek translation of the old testament it's always used to speak of God's word, and I want to read some of these passages. Actually, let's turn to Psalm 119. Same word in the Greek translation, lagia. You know, it's related to that word logos. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. It's related. In Psalm 119, this word lagia is always referring to God's word, and these are familiar passages. Psalm 119.11 Thy word, thy lagia, I have hid in my heart or treasured in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's broken the barrier. It's in my heart. It's in my mind. I treasure it that I wouldn't sin. First John, these things are written that you might not sin, but if you do, you've got an advocate. Jesus Christ the righteous. Look at verse 103 in Psalm 119. How sweet... Are thy words to my taste? Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 119, My eye anticipates the night watches that I might meditate on thy legia, thy word. Psalm 119, 153. I behold the treacherous and loathe them because they do not keep thy word. Same word. Psalm 119, I rejoice at thy word as one who finds great spoil. There's no possibility back in 1 Peter for this term utterances to speak of anything other than God's word. The utterances of God's word. That word that was brought forth completed. We have all scripture. It is inspired by God. So back in our passage, he says, whoever speaks, 1 Peter chapter 4, let him speak as it were God's word. The utterances of God. That is the bracketing reality for speaking gifts and it is so disobeyed in the church these days if you have a speaking gift pastor teacher teacher exhortation all those things this is god's requirement for that gifting being done if you don't do it his way it's not god doing it through you by the way it's not god If you have a speaking gift, you better speak God's word. And again, this is not a robotic uh, rote speaking of God's word. It's the spirit of God through the one with the gifting sharing the word for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. This is the guiding principle for every speaking gift. And again, it's not robotic rote speaking of God's word. It is in right context, the spirit of God working through The person that is gifted to bring forth the word of God. Whoever speaks as utterances of God. That is the defining reality. And so this is so utterly rejected by the modern church these days and and make believers. Week after week, pastors give sermons, dialogues uh, full of stories and video clips and props and stage antics. uh, A verse here, a verse there, rather than spirit led dependent exposition in context of the word of God to feed the sheep of God. The reality is someone who has a speaking gift like a pastor or whoever and is not doing it, this is all God says. He doesn't say show of movies. He says, share the word of God, share the word of God. And we are to study to show ourselves approved. We are to preach the word, to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction The goal of our instruction is love. If you have a speaking gift, this is the context. If you are in a church, this is the context in which those who are teaching you should be functioning. If they're not, they're disobedient to the most basic brackets of the reality for teaching the word of God or speaking it. Turn to 1 John chapter 2 because God shares what he says about those who continually disobey. You know, if someone is, if God says, if you speak, do this, and someone doesn't do this all the time, I'm not saying they a little bit, I'm saying all the time, they never do this. What does God say? What does God say? 1 John, John 2, verse 3. 1 John 2, verse 3. And this, John has written that you might know you have eternal life and, and, in, and in that context. So it's for believers to know for sure they have eternal life, but it also shows those who don't, by the way. First John chapter two, verse three. And by this we know we have come to know him. You might say, I know Jesus. I've come to know Jesus. Well, here's how you can know. If we keep his commandments. Now that's not the 10 commandments. That's, it's commandments, his, his, his ontely, his commands. We are those who have come to faith in Christ and he commands us through his word and we go, yes, Lord, yes. Yes, I want to do what you wanted me to do. When I fail, I'm confessing it. When I hunger and thirst for righteousness, I'm not there yet, I fail, but I want to. He says here, the one who says, I have come to know him and does not continually habitually keep his commandments is what? A liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word In this the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought to walk in the same manner in which he walked. I would be very unloving towards you if I decided to use my own wisdom on how to fill the church. And I came with you with stories and all sorts of stuff and did a did a show every week rather than preaching the word of God. I wouldn't love you and I wouldn't be obeying the Lord God. If anyone speaks, as it were, the oracles of God. That's just what God says. It's just what God says. And there's a lot of disobedience in the body of Christ. There's a lot of disobedience. So, and this, and on the side note, I mean, I'm, I'm saddened when I hear of ministries, by the way, you know, like radio ministries, family ministries. I rarely hear the word of God spoken. I hear all sorts of leaning on one's understanding, wisdom from man, rather than, you know, here's the situation, here's what God's word says. If you speak, speak as the utterances of God. The same thing goes on the other side. You have, you have ministries that are saying they're ministries, they're saying they're functioning, they're speaking on their radio, and all they're doing is teaching Reformed theology and not sharing the Word of God. If anyone speaks, speak as it were the utterances of God. Believe me, Satan and our flesh tempts us to not do that. We get tempted. They're not going to listen. They're not going to respond. Do this instead. That'll help. Don't lean on your understanding. Obey the Lord God and leave it all in his hands. If anyone speaks as the utterances of God. We are to be reproving, rebuking, exhorting with great patience and instruction. Turn to 2 Timothy. You know, after the Apostle Paul says in chapter 3 that all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for, for those things, for every good work, he says this to Timothy, and it's very serious. These are Paul's last words. He's saying, this is what I want to tell you, Timothy. I am going away to the Lord. I'm being poured out as a drink offering. It's My time has come. This is what you need to know, Timothy. And by the way, the whole letter of 2 Timothy is a contrast between the bad guys and Timothy, stick with the word. Bad guys, Timothy, stick with the word. Bad guys, stick with the word, Timothy. Look at uh, first Timot, excuse me, 2 Timothy 4. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, what does he solemnly charge him? Very serious. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. That's the Word of God. That's not my Word. It's not Paul's Word. It's not Timothy's Word. It's the Word of God. He says here, reprove. He says, uh, reprove or be ready in season and out of season. Hey, some people might like it. It's in season, some people may not. It's out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. If you're being taught the word of God, you're going to be reproved. You're going to be uh, rebuked. You're going to be exhorted with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. That's healthy teaching, by the way. That's what that word means, sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves. This is now the responsibility of the listener, by the way. For themselves, teachers in accordance with what their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and turn aside to myths or stories. So man in his own sinfulness will turn away from the truth of God, very subtly, to listening to stories. It's still a religious context. They're looking for teachers. Teachers, but they're after their own desires. But we are commanded to preach the word. Preach the word. You know, if you're listening to radio that's claiming to be a ministry and it's not teaching the Word, it's speaking, by the way. It's a speaking gift. It better be the Word of God. Turn it off if it isn't. Turn it off. You know, if you're in a Bible study and they're not sharing the Word of God, they are claiming to be teaching you. It's a study. Get away from there. If you're going to a Christian counselor who is speaking the Word of God to you, praise the Lord. But if they're not... And I'm not talking about robotic. They're working in your life and they're sharing God's word in the context of your life. They're sharing that. Praise the Lord for that. But if not, get out of there. If you're involved in evangelism, ministry, or missions, which is not primarily focused on the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there are secondary elements that support that. There are physical realities. and others serving in that. Understand that. But the primary reality, preaching the word of God, it's not from God. God's not in it. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the oracles of God. Because why? We'll see in a minute. Because then God is glorified. This other junk, God isn't glorified. Man's glorified. God is not glorified. Jesus said in Luke six forty six, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? God says, if you speak, speak as oracles. Why, why, why do you do that? Why do you say, Lord Jesus, you're my Lord, and then not do what he says? Not do what he says. You know, many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do all this stuff in your name? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. You see, when we're disobedient, that's sin. Sin is lawlessness. Whoever speaks as the utterances of God. Some of you who've been in ministry might need to confess that the paradigm you were in was not biblical. God's a gracious God. He, He loves us. We're forgiven immediately if you realize, hey, I've been caught up in things that do not fit what God says in this passage. Not what Greg says, but what God says. Confess your sin, be forgiven, step forward in obedience and God will be glorified. God will be glorified. Whoever speaks, it is to be the word of God. Look at the second uh, portion. Back in uh, 1 Peter 4. Middle of 1 Peter 4. Whoever serves let him serve by the strength which God supplies. Bracketing factor for serving gifts. Diakoneo, that means to serve. Whoever diakoneos, whoever deacons in a sense. Not as a deacon, that's certainly deacons, but whoever serves. Remember, these are the gifts that are, are given by God's grace. Helps, serving gifts, giving, mercy, leading, ruling, administration. There's some crossover in those. If you have a serving gift... This is the bracketing factor for serving. You better do it by his strength alone. That means you need to rely on him. You need to be trusting him. You need to be relying. When you serve that table, when you grab that dish, those things, it's not this mechanical, I'm grabbing this dish for you, Lord. You're you're trusting Lord. Lord, I trust you to work in me to help me do what I need to do today. I trust you to help me in these areas. Whoever serves, By the strength which God supplies. The term strength, ish, kosh, speaks of might or inherent power. God's might or inherent power, which he supplies. The term supply, corrego means to provide abundantly. If you trust in Jesus, when the time comes, believe me, from my experience, it never comes before that. When the time comes where you're serving him in whatever, speaking for him, He will provide the abundant strength to do it. Paul said, I labored more than all of them, yet not I, the grace of God in me. Trust the Lord, depend on him. If you have a serving gift, trust in him. We read in John earlier, apart from him, we can do nothing. 2 Corinthians 3, we're not adequate to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Colossians 3, 6, as you have received the Lord Jesus. So walking. We received him by faith. Walk by faith. If you have a serving gift, do it by his strength. If you have a gift of helps, do it by his strength. You've got to be walking with him. If you have a gift of mercy, you're depending on Christ. Administrations or leadership, by his strength. Gift of giving, by his strength. Exhortation, teaching, pastor, teacher, by his strength. You see, if anyone serves, it must be by the strength which God supplies. If you speak, it's his word. If you serve, it's by his strength. And we'll see it's so that in all things, every area, God is glorified through Christ Jesus. You see, Christ works in us when we depend on him, and God is glorified. God is not pleased in anyone other than Christ, and when we depend on Christ he is pleased. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so by the strength with God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified. People say, to God be the glory. God be glorified. Well, is that really true? Here we see how God is glorified. Here we see this through Jesus Christ. So that God will be glorified through Jesus Christ. You know, I want God to be glorified. I want God to be glorified in my preaching. I want to be glorified in my life. I fail. Confess it. I want to trust the Lord. I want to be dependent on him. I hope you want to be too. Serve him by his strength. Let him be glorified in your life. There's nothing more joyous. And it's labor intensive. There's reward for your toil, by the way. There's persecution. I'm not telling you to serve the Lord. It's better roses. Well, it is better roses, actually. Bowl of cherries, I The reality is, if you trust him, you obey him. According to his word, he's going to be glorified. Christ in us, bringing forth his will in us as we obey. You see, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are those who are being taught to obey all that Jesus did and said. Now, if you're just a phony, baloney Christian, and you say, "Yeah, I know Jesus," and then all it's all a bunch of baloney, you know that that's not the reality of a disciple. We're being taught to obey so that, in all things, God would be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him be the the glory. And you see, there's going to be a full accounting. There's going to be an accounting for what we do in the earth. Turn to uh, Second Corinthians chapter five. There's an accounting. Yes, we're forgiven of our sins there as far as the east is the west. Amen. Sin is no longer a deal. It's done. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. How blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. And I am one of those. And I pray you are too. How blessed we are to be forgiven. But there is an accounting for our time here on this earth, our deeds in the body. I'm going to give an account for what I'm doing right now? Did I trust Christ? Are you trusting Christ? 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good, oh, I don't like that second part, or bad, right? The reality is we can be good stewards, trusting the Lord, Christ glorified, or bad. And we're going to give an account. We're going to be recompensed for that. You see, Jesus Christ is the only one who belongs to glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The end of the verse. And we have a lot of glory robbers in church these days. Doing it for their own praise or doing it by their own strength. We need to trust the Lord. Do it by His word. If you speak, speak as it were the utterances of God. If you serve served by his strength. You see, we're all commanded to employ our gifts. We all have a stewardship. And how we do that is by sharing the word of God and serving by his strength so that in everything, Christ would be glorified. It is required that stewards be found faithful. Let me ask you this. Are you follower of jesus christ do you say i've come to know him hopefully this passage has been convicting hopefully it's affirmed the reality of where you're at don't get prideful if the temptation is if you're obeying god by the way and you hear a message ah the pride can come in right away you were obeying god you were trusting him you were being obedient and you realize hey by god's grace i'm doing what he says that watch out for pride it's all christ it's all christ if you realize you're not doing what he wants you to do or you don't even know what he wants you to do do some self-examination am i walking by his grace and by faith every day what things in my life are wrong that i need to address am i am i disobeying god do i need to confess that do i need to turn from those things humble yourself and trust the lord walk with him obey him are you a new believer? God has given you gifts, and as you function in the body of Christ, he's going to manifest that. I want to give some, some practical steps on, to learn how God has gifted us, and we'll finish up. First of all, pray, Lord God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to serve you. I don't know how, how, that, how you want me to do that. I want to know. I want to know, Lord. Secondly, uh, and, and this is not a mechanical thing. You know, Some people will come to this church. They don't have a relationship with Christ. They do all the mechanics of everything I'm saying. No, it's dependence on Christ dependence on christ secondly look in the word of god and ask god to open your heart read these passages first corinthians 12 romans 12 ephesians 4 first peter 4 open my mind to understand your word lord god that i might be pleasing to you third function by his grace walk with jesus in obedience by the way when you do that you're going to be around the body of christ And when you're around the body of Christ, God seems to start to move in our hearts those areas that he has gifted us in. He gives us a desire and he puts the opportunities around us. Trust the Lord. Walk by his grace. Be in the body of Christ. Step out. And lastly, I certainly as a shepherd want to equip you and help you in that. And I know Bob does too. So do you know how God has gifted you? As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of god let's pray father i thank you for the tremendous privilege that you have given each believer here to serve you lord i pray that we would all be found faithful lord the only thing that gets in the way is us and sin i pray you would weed that out I pray for those here today who realize, hey, I don't live for Christ. I don't depend on him all day long. I don't trust him. I don't confess my sin when I fail. I'm not sensitive to that. I'm not hungry and thirsty for righteousness. pray that they might realize where they are in relationship to you. And if they don't know you, they would turn and trust in your son, Jesus. They would humble themselves honestly before you and trust in your son. And Father, I pray for those of us who know you, that uh, if there's any disobedience, Lord God, that you would expose that through your word. It's pretty clear today, black and white with this passage. I pray that those who realize they're not being obedient would just confess and ask you to help them obey you, to learn, to be taught to obey all that your son has said. And Lord, we pray that in this, you would be glorified through your son, Jesus. Help us to be those who trust in him and walk by faith. Those who are so thankful for what you have done in Christ. Pray this in his name.